Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stack. Hi, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining us on Junior Doctors Corner. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, Now, to start off this episode, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Nicola. I'm a psychiatry registrar in my first year of training. Uh, So I'm now entering my fourth year out of med school, which seems like (laughs) it doesn't seem like it. That's gone really, really quickly. Um, and I, um, also do a little bit of work with things like the AMA, um, so with the Council of Doctors in Training and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and really enjoy working with junior doctors at a kingdom, like advocacy and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We, we've met prior to this, um, interview and you did sort of at the workshop that we were at, um, alluded to the fact that you had a period of burnout yeah. um, not too long ago. Can you please share a bit more about your experience with burnout? Yeah. So I think there's, looking back on my career to date, there's been a couple of times where I've sort of come close or had some experiences with burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely been times where I felt um, like I've been sort of pushed outside of my comfort zone, which, I mean, happens to all of us from time mm. to time. Um, and I especially found times tricky where I was maybe geographically isolated or, you know, had changed cities and stuff like that. Um, but it's definitely something that sort of crept up on me. (laughs) I thought it was just stress, but, um, sort of when I was getting to that point where I, um, was sort of going to work and just felt like I was kind of going through the motions a little bit, Mm. um, and then feeling really guilty for feeling that way as well. That was quite, um, something that I noticed and which is kind of what pushed me Mm -hmm. to get some help. Mm -hmm. And I think I was really lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time I've had those experiences, I've found myself in really um, lovely workplaces Mm -hmm. where people are really supportive and really open um, to sort of talking through it and finding some help and support and how, you know, the workplace could support me, what sort of things I could look at personally and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I've been really lucky in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, And without prying too much, um, would you mind sharing so that our listeners, um, what kind of symptoms, um, you know, did you experience or what sort of helped clue you in that you were burnt out so that our listeners would be able to look out for these signs? Yeah, yeah. So I felt like for me, I felt really um, tired all the time, like Mm -hmm. not physically, but just going to work was like, it was a real big thing. Um, I felt that sometimes I felt like I didn't care like I used to, um, about, uh, you know, listening to patient stories. I found it was harder to get into that sort of empathetic headspace that I, that makes my work really rewarding. And that's what I go to work to do. Um, and then some days I felt like I couldn't manage the other side of that I felt like I was being sort of too empathetic and engaged and it was really quite difficult to sort of find a middle ground Mm -hmm. um like it was just this state of exhaustion and I think um I've been doing some reading around it and I Mm. think that kind of helped me Mm -hmm. to understand that it wasn't just me Mm -hmm. um and realizing that one of the later signs is sort of feeling like you don't make much of a difference Mm -hmm. and I don't think I was there yet but I think I was I could have been (laughs) if Mm. I didn't seek help. Um, 
And I think for me, having had a couple of times throughout, you know, being a student and junior doctor and that sort of thing, um, it sort of helped me get to know what are my, like, early warning signs, which sounds very psychiatric of me, but <laughs> um, it's sort of been really useful to reflect upon it and think, okay, how could I have caught it sooner? Yep. If I notice yep. these things creep up again, what am I going to do mm. about it? Mm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that you were very lucky um, in that you were working in very supportive work environments. Yeah. But, um, could you tell us a bit more about um, what you did to sort of get yourself well again, recovering again yeah. and on your way to working again? Yeah. So I think um, for me, I found having mentors was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of try to have mentors in a couple of different spaces in my life. So um, mentors who I admire their, you know, their work or mentors that I admire their sort of work-life balance and that kind of thing. Um, And I found that just talking about it and acknowledging it kind of took away a lot of the stigma, a lot of the shame and a lot of the barriers in sort of getting help for me. Right. I felt that someone understood it. Um, I felt that I wasn't alone Mm. and I felt like I had a bit more control then as well and I was able to do things and, you know, sometimes it was taking a sick day and that I was quite happy to do because I think it made me um, sort of get better faster and, you know, felt better for it. Um, I think having interests outside of medicine as well was really helpful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So doing things like I play music, so heading Mm -hmm. into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Exercising was also great, so Mm -hmm. walking the dog, that kind of thing. (laughs) I think friends outside of medicine have all been very helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And realising that it just kind of takes time Mm -hmm. and it's not a quick sort of fix. Right. And were all of your mentors um, from psychiatry? Uh, not all of them. I had I, some of my mentors I consider sort of um, a year or two ahead of me. They're not necessarily consultants right, or anything right. like that. I think there's a lot to be said for mentors who were sort of around a similar stage of you in training as right. well. Okay. Um, just because they've their experiences are so recent and they, mm-hmm. they do really understand what's mm-hmm. happening for you day to day and they might have had similar struggles as well. Yeah. And it's good to hear that um, you were able to approach them quite comfortably because yeah. uh, I guess a lot of the issues with um, doctors' mental health is that people are too afraid to speak up, worried yeah. about consequences, like losing registration. So I'm really glad to hear yeah. that you've got yeah. this support system. Yeah. Um, it definitely was a sort of something that I think probably made me hold off a little bit longer. There's always that fear of it, and especially when you're working somewhere where you know, um, you've got year-to-year contracts, so yep. it's kind of hard to speak mm-hmm. to the people that are going to be employing you potentially. Yeah. Um, you don't want to interrupt with that. And, yeah, so it's definitely tricky to navigate. And I think having those trusted people and knowing who they are before things go pear-shaped is really important. Right. Okay. And now uh, there's been a lot of encouragement from hospitals and health services for junior doctors to improve their um, workplace resilience through workshops such as resilience on the run, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And, um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So I think resilience on the run is a really great program. I missed out on it myself. I was, um, I think it came in a year or two after me. Um, but it's definitely really worthwhile. I think they just can't, um, ever exist in isolation. So I think, you know, working on individual resilience is definitely a part of the answer, but it's just not the whole answer. Mm -hmm. And I think um, one of the things that helped me sort of 
recover, um, was kind of regaining a little bit of control and figuring out what I could do about it. And some of that was the individual stuff, but some of that was around the workplace things mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to think about um, what kind of things I'd struggled with and seeing if my peers had the same struggles and right. sort of addressing those things. Like, you know, we always talk about overtime and that yes. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So um, I've become much more vigilant with going home on time and that sort yeah. of thing, but also things like claiming overtime and that when you work it. Yeah. Doing that kind of thing, I think, helped sort of uh, reframe the conversation for me and felt like I was helping things from a bigger perspective. So I think um, resilience on the run is really, really useful. There's definitely something that we can all learn from that. Um, It's just can't exist in a silo kind of thing. Mm, Okay. So on top of resilience on the run, what do you think, um, you know, our health services and, you know, organizations and hospitals should be doing to help support Mm. their junior staff members particularly junior doctors who are struggling yeah I think it it's always going to vary from hospital to hospital um everyone's little environment is different Mm. and their stresses are unique Mm -hmm. um I think making sure that any efforts to improve individual resilience don't go alone is really important and making sure that um, your junior staff and the people on the ground are aware of that as well because there's nothing worse than sort of thinking I'm burnt out and that's my fault <laughs> I should have done more about it so I think um, recognizing that it's a system issue mm. that affects individuals mm. rather than an individual yeah. issue mm-hmm. that affects people working in a system um, so I think it's really important having discussions with junior doctors about what it is that's that makes their work challenging yeah um, because the job itself is challenging enough, so all the other stuff on top of that can really add to it. So I often think that, you know, you want those individual resilience skills for the really rough days where, you know, you've had a patient die or you've had a really tough conversation. You don't want that because, you know, your your PDL's been knocked back or um, there's interdepartment conflict or something like that. I mean, those things are always going to happen and from mm. time to time, but that shouldn't be most of what you're re- using yeah. your resilience skills for. Yeah. Um, so I think really having really open dialogues with junior doctors is really important. And for junior doctors, finding a way that they can speak up mm-hmm. um, and figuring out what would make their jobs better. Mm. And, I mean, sometimes the way of doing that isn't directly. Maybe it's speaking to your you know, RMO society to feedback or speaking to your medical education unit, stuff like that, mm. um, where some of those other things that might worry you, like, is this going to impact my career, that's kind of taken away a little bit. So you still get to make an improvement and you, you don't, you're not quite so worried about the side effects that might come to you. Mm. Yeah. Um, those are very, very good um, suggestions and I yeah. have to agree with them. Um, so... Um, an extra question that I just thought of because you yeah. didn't um, get the chance to go through um, resilience on the run program. Um, mm-hmm. I myself did. Yeah. And we both went to the same medical school, except you were yeah. a year or yeah. two ahead of me. Yeah. Um, so with our medical school, we were taught this sort of stuff um, quite early on. And I mm-hmm. don't know um, whether they taught it the exact same way to you as they did for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember a very big proportion of um, of the, my, you know, fellow colleagues and, you know, fellow medical students, they were very averse to the idea yeah. of resi- uh, resilience and all that mindfulness and all that. They just thought it was all, you know, <laughs> BS, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what were your thoughts around it then? 
um, back then and sort of how has it changed, you know, especially now that you're a psychiatry registrar, like what would you say to people who are non-believers? <laughs> um, so the non-believers, yeah, okay. Um, I think like when I was in medical school and we were doing, I think we did a lot of mindfulness. I don't yeah. know if it was quite the same for you, but um, I was open to it, but it wasn't something that I really adopted in my sort mm. of personal yep. practice and that kind of thing. Um, and then I think as I got into internship, I tried to do a little bit more of it because I sort of recognised that it was a bit of a skill that would be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though maybe I found the practice frustrating, that was the point. <laughs> How was it frustrating? Um, I always I always felt like my mind's wandering. I must be bad at mindfulness <laughs> until I realised that that is actually the point. Like you're noticing your mind yeah. is wandering. Yeah. So noticing it is yeah. That's being yeah. mindful. Yeah. Your mind can wander as much as yeah. it wants. You just yeah. got to bring it back. So I think once I stumbled across that, <laughs> which I think I can thank my um, intern rotations in mental health for, I um, I think I got a little bit more exposure to it and sort of realised how it might be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, just in things like not getting caught up in the 17 million things that I had to do, my pager going off, mm. um, my mobile ringing and my, you know, Reg texting me orders and just sort of training myself to focus on what was in front of me and yep. then go back and triaging. So I think um, it took me a while to realise what skills would be useful to how I was working. Yep. So I think perhaps it, if I felt that it wasn't useful if I felt that I didn't believe in the power of mindfulness, it, it wasn't so much that I didn't believe in it. It was just that I couldn't really see how it would relate yeah. to my life as a doctor. Mm. So I think then once I found ways that I could work it into my day-to-day practice, then I was a lot more open to it and I was a lot more on board. Yeah. And I think that's different for everybody, um, but you kind of learn what's going to be useful for you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um, now, last question, and this is a question that I ask all of yeah, um, sure. the interviewees. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you were a resident, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you remember how crazy residency yeah. <laughs> was and, you know, work now yeah. for you as a registrar is still almost just as crazy, if not more. Yeah. Um, what is the one thing you would say really got you through it, like survive and help keep you, you know, mentally, physically sane? Um, what's the one thing you would recommend to all our new interns to adopt? Um, I think... Oh, I can't think of one thing. I keep thinking of two. Okay, you can <laughs> okay, do two. I can do two. Excellent. Yes. Um, I think the first thing was um, finding supports yeah. and figuring out supports in a few different places. So I had a really great group of friends at work who mm-hmm. were all working at the same hospital. Yeah. And I had some friends outside of work, which were really great to go to dinner and realize that you couldn't talk about ward things because mm-hmm. nobody else understands what you're talking about mm. um so that kept me really grounded as well as you know having supports like your own gp yeah. having professional mentors to yeah. go to um so i think making sure that i had a really diverse support network was really good i think the second thing was um reflecting mm-hmm. on my practice and that kind of thing okay and that's something that i still am sort of learning mm-hmm. and i think as a resident sometimes um, the beauty of short terms is that everything ends. <laughs> um, but then sometimes you kind of get out of there and you're like, okay, yeah. see ya. <laughs> um, so I think like reflecting back on, on those terms and what worked and what didn't and what you liked about them and what you didn't. Um, and then when you get to, you know, your registrar terms, which are a bit longer mm. and you're in departments yeah. for a longer time and, you know, yeah. potentially where you're going to work for, you know, 
10, 20 years, um, being able to think about how you handle things sort of for a longer term point of view. And I think, um, whenever I had experiences of, you know, burnout or really Mm. stressful periods, reflecting on how I handled them, what was good and how I could handle them better was always something that was really useful. Mm -hmm. Um, you're always learning and you learn a lot from your patients. You learn a lot from your teachers and you can also learn a lot from yourself Mm. and about yourself. Um, so long as you keep looking for the opportunity to do that. Okay. And for our listeners who are interested in getting themselves a mentor, um, but they don't know how to, where to even begin. Yeah. uh, What would you advise them to do? Um, I think, if you've got someone in mind that you think maybe that person would be a really good mentor, I think just ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't usually take offence. They're usually quite flattered by it. So um, even if they don't have time mm-hmm. and they say Look, not, at the, not at the moment, they might be able to put you in touch with someone that can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's a good thing to have someone that you look up to and admire and some someone that you think you can learn something from Mm -hmm. so I knew I wanted to learn more about you know work-life balance so that's sort of what I was hoping my mentors could teach me and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and a mentoring relationship doesn't have to be really strict and professional like really casual is fine as well like Mm -hmm. someone that you can meet up for coffee with every six months it doesn't have to be intensive or structured just something um that works for you both and Mm -hmm. that you can get something out of is really all you need Mm -hmm. okay well thank you so much for all of that Nicola um I've learned um a bit um, here and there about how to look out for burnout and how to get myself a mentor. I better get yeah. on it soon. Um, <laughs> Would recommend. <laughs> thank you. No worries. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.